Welcome to another Calvary Baltimore B-Side with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. B-Sides are a companion to the weekly sermon, giving an in-depth look behind the teaching. Now with running commentary to complement this week's sermon, here's Pastor Josh. Well, hello. Um, so, today's going to be a little different because uh, I did not teach Sunday, so I don't have a B-Side and... Um, uh, Jan uh, Van Leuven taught for us on Sunday, and he did such a wonderful job. Um, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying any adding to it. He, he did a really wonderful job. Um, I just totally edifying, beautiful, um, re- really wonderful. Uh, so I was immensely blessed to sit there uh, and just soak it in and uh, learn from God's word. I was very 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 blessed and i got to sit with my wife in a service which hasn't happened in forever because whenever i'm normally not teaching and i'm in there she's normally with the kids in the in the classroom so uh, that was that was quite a treat for me so i'm doing something a little different today um i want to uh take a stroll in the first century Uh, by looking at the Epistle of Clement to the Corinthians. So this will be our part one of the Epistle of Clement to the Corinthians. Uh, And just so you understand the origin of this, I love church history. And one of the things that are most impactful to me, um, of course, I love my Bible. I've built my life upon the Bible. I study the Bible till my eyes are sleepy. (laughs) every night um however i I think i think when we look at church history we learn lots of things but when we look at the patristics and the very first few hundred years of church history we get a unique perspective because some of these guys knew some of the guys they were the disciples of paul peter james Uh, They were the disciples of their disciples. So Irenaeus, the disciple of Polycarp, the disciple of John. So when Irenaeus says something about the book of Revelation, he literally had heard it from John's disciple. (laughs) So there are things uh, in the first century, in the second century, third century, that really can tell us so much, uh, not not only just to give us maybe some clarity in, in the scriptures, but I think where, where the real fruit of this is, is how they applied the scriptures in the first century. Um, <clears throat> so that leads us to the first epistle to Clement, uh, to the Corinthians. And this is written around 90 AD. To understand the importance of that, this is right around the same time that John is writing the Revelation. <laughs> so this is in the same time frame as the Bible was being uh, assembled. Now, we know it was around 90 AD. That seems to be the best guess because uh, uh, Clement is writing to the Corinthians. And he's, he's writing to them after a lot of persecution just came upon the church. And so we really have to now peg that into one of two places. Either it's during the reign of Nero, uh, which would be, I believe, 60s, or under Domitian, which would be 90s. 
Um, and so the latter date makes more sense, um, according to early historians and the like. So uh, the, it seems to be during uh, the, the, the time of Emperor Domitian or just thereafter. So it's 90s, maybe early 100s, first few years, but we're around 90, 95, something like that. That seems to be the, the best <clears throat> uh, guess there. Now, Clement's an interesting character. He's actually talked about in the Bible, uh, in Second Philippians. Uh, Paul mentions him as one of his, his uh, faithful brothers. Uh, so, so, and multiple, again, early, early guys talk about Clement, who was Paul's disciple. Uh, so there's just, whenever we, we, we get to early church history, we have to understand it's the Wild West. There's a lot of things that are made up. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy stories. Um, and so we really want to tiptoe through through the, the first few hundred years, knowing that there's a lot of fraudulent things, and we don't want to build too much upon it. However, this is one of the few examples that seem to have enough connecting points to go, okay, this is legit. Uh, this, is, this seems to be a legitimate claim. And so multiple sources peg him as the Clement from 2nd Philippians. So... As we know from other historians and early historians and from Second Philippians, uh, he, uh, Clement was a good friend and student of Paul. Uh, and so this is really cool because when we study the life of Clement, we get to see how the guys who, who came under the apostles lived. Uh, so this, this tells us a lot. Also, we know that the early church and the earliest seasons of the church, um, before the canon was completely assembled, uh, the early church did not think this should have been a canonical book because he wasn't, Clement was not an apostle. Only apostles can write the scripture. Um, but but he was he was an authoritative voice in the early church. And in the early, early church, they would read Clement's writings in their services. They wouldn't put them on par with the Holy Scriptures, but they were letters that they they were just continuing the tradition of reading the letters of faithful men back in the early days. And so Clement's letter, especially this one to the first one to the Corinthians, was one that church services would read and study on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> um, also, in, in the library at Alexandria, um, there were all these ancient historical Christian writings. And really fascinating. They had they had an old they had a Bible, and right next to the Bible in Alexandria, the very next book was this letter, the the first epistle of Clement to the Corinthians. So this is this is not inerrant. This is not um, infallible. This writing, however, this is as close <laughs> to as possible uh, to which we can learn from uh, quite a bit from. Um, that I think will be really beneficial to us. So <clears throat> I want to look at the first chapter here um, and just kind of to pick at it and, and, and kind of show you guys what I'm seeing. And I'm hoping this will be a blessing to you as we look at how the early guys applied uh, the scriptures as they knew and were trained by the guys who wrote the scriptures. So... Uh, the Church of God, First Clement, uh, ch chapter one, verse one. Though there's no chapters or verses in in, in this, uh, the Church of God, which sojourns at Rome, to the Church of God, a uh, sojourning at Corinth. So he's talking to a Roman audience in Corinth, uh, and Clement seems to be Greek. 
to them that are called and sanctified by the will of God. You know what? Pause. Pause. Clement seems to be Greek, and when he pulls from Old Testament examples like Luke, might I add, he pulls from the Greek Old Testament. This is what's really fascinating because, you know, we're, we, we, there's a lot of, uh, in, in American evangelicalism, there's something called King James Onlyism. That this, that the, the King James Bible is the only authoritative source of God's word. Um, and all translations are satanic in their root, or they're only after money, and, you know, they, they go down these roads. But what we have to understand, first of all, the Bible wasn't written in English. <laughs> it was written first in Hebrew, and then some Aramaic, and, and then, and then uh, uh, Greek. Uh, and so the Bible in itself uses multiple variations of languages. Uh, and then what we see is is a few hundred years before Jesus came on the scene, uh, there was a Greek Old Testament that was circulating because Greek was the, the predominant uh, reading and writing language uh, of the day. Of course, Aramaic was popular too, so you get some Aramaic resources that are really cool. Um, but the guys who knew Jesus, who came up under Jesus, a lot of them used the Greek Old Testament. If Jesus was saying, no, you have to learn Hebrew, and that's how you quote the Old Testament, because the Greek is really just an alternate translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. You think about it, it, it there's some commentary built in there, but Jesus allowed these things to happen. We know this because of the guys who know Jesus. Uh, and so here we see that, that Clement, Greek, is quoting from the Greek Old Testament, and he, he's writing to a Greek audience using the Greek Old Testament. So all of these wars over translations is very silly when you learn church history. Um, obviously, there are translations that are in error, and we need to be cautious of that. Um, but Jesus does not seem to be a stickler for people that want to get a translation that they understand. Um, so... God, we, have, we haven't even gotten through the first verse. <laughs> the church of God which sojourns at Rome to the church of God sojourning at Corinth to them that are called and sanctified by the will of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God Almighty through Jesus Christ be multiplied. Grace and peace. You see there Paul's inspiration there? Owing, dear brethren, so he's writing to brothers, he's writing to Christians, to the sudden and successive calamitous events which have happened to yourselves. Persecution. Isn't that a great word, calamitous? I love that. <laughs> there, there were persecutions that were sudden and successive uh, that, that came upon this church in Corinth. And then it says, we feel that we have been somewhat tardy in our turning our attention to the points respecting which you consulted us. So there was a problem they were dealing with that they addressed Clement and the other bishops, it seems. And, and Clement feels grieved in the sense that he didn't respond to them quick enough. And especially to that shameful and detestable sedition, so an utterance, uh, utterly abhorrent to the elect of God, which a uh, which a few rash and self-confident persons have kindled to such a pitch of frenzy that your venerable and illustrious name, worthy to be universally loved, has suffered grievous injury. So there was a heresy in the early church that marred the reputation of the Corinthians. There was a heresy 
bringing up amongst a few, what does he call them? Uh, uh, a few rash and self-confident persons. So people that were just puffed up with themselves, they were what in a rash, and they started spreading this heresy, which, which was abhor utterly abhorrent to the elect of God. It was contrary to God's word. Um, and, and so there was a heresy, and it started to mar their reputation. It seems to be maybe amongst the other churches, but uh, also societally uh, to some degree. For whoever dwelt even for a short time among you and did not find your faith to be as fruitful of virtue as it was firmly established. Now, Clement is going to encourage the church in Corinth by saying that he knows they have a good name. So Clement lays out that they have been given a bad name because of a few rash, self-conceited, puffed-up people have spread a heresy that have marred their reputation, but Clement chimes in immediately after that and says, but I know. I know you have a good name. Isn't that interesting that Paul's student, who's mentioned in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul's student was an encourager. <laughs> the first thing he does is he encourages them. He encourages them specifically in their faith. He, go, he goes after the very thing that, that, that is most important. He says, your faith in Jesus Christ is firmly established. Isn't that beautiful? Now, he's going to continue on encouraging them. I love this. <clears throat> Who did not admire the sobriety and moderation of your godliness in Christ? they had godly sobriety and moderation isn't that interesting they weren't given to excess they weren't lovers of money lovers of self self-conceited drunkards uh, full of lust they, they were not given to these things who did not proclaim the magnificence of your habitual hospitality they were ha hospitable people and Clement is saying yes Yes, they are a hospitable people. Isn't this wonderful? <laughs> Who did not rejoice over your perfect and well-grounded knowledge. They were students of the word. They were students of the word. Paul sent them two letters. It seems to be there were three, actually. But he sent them these letters, and they studied them. For you did all things without respect of persons, and walked in the commandments of God. Notice this. These people, the church in Corinth, they obeyed God rather than man. You know, John John quoted out of 1 Corinthians 4. That's how he started his sermon on Sunday. And uh, if you read 1 Corinthians 4, you know, Paul's talking about, I don't, I don't, I'm not judged by you, and I don't even judge myself. I'm judged by God Almighty. <laughs> and here... Here, uh, Paul is saying, or uh, uh, Clement is saying, they're walking in that. They're not worried what other people are saying. They're worried about God. They're, they're, they're adhering to the commandments of God, being obedient to those who had the rule over you and giving all fitting honor to the presbyters among you. So the people 
are, were, were, were those who weren't rebels, but came under the authority of their leaders and deacons and pastors. You enjoin young men to be of a sober and serious mind. So the young men were discipled not to sow their wild oats, but to come other but 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 to be sober of mind, to be serious of mind, to not give themselves to vain things, but to study the word diligently. There's the uh, myth of adolescence. <laughs> You instructed your wives to do all things with a blameless, becoming, and pure conscience, loving their husbands as in duty bound. Notice Clement puts love and duty, a, 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 a marital oath under God as side by side. And you taught them that living in the rule of obedience, they should manage their household affairs becomingly and be in every respect marked by discretion. So the, the end of chapter one here, wives were to respect the authority uh, like, the, like the men who, who come under the authority of the pastors and deacons. So, you know, in our culture, People are going to hear this and go, well, men should be, you know, the, the, why do women have to come under authority? But we have to understand that the men were first told they were under authority. And now the women are to come under the authority. And they're to come under the authority uh, like the men uh, uh, of their husbands. And the women, uh, of course, like the men, but the women are then instructed to work at peace. The women were instructed to work at peace. <laughs> Don't, you know, not to gossip, not to backbite, not to hold grudges, not, not to encourage their husbands to be mad at so-and-so and pick a side. They were to work always at peace. Um, done our reading here. Clement, in some way, oversaw the church in Corinth. It doesn't look like he lived there because he's writing to them. Uh, he would have just spoke to them if he was there. So he's somewhere else, and he writes to them. So he's some sort of presbyter, overseer of the church there. Uh, and, and fun fact, he could have possibly been a star in Revelation. You remember the seven stars to the seven churches? If he's not in Corinth, yet he's writing to Corinth as a leader, well, if he's a leader of the early church, at the same time Revelation is being written, it makes total sense that he may be one of the stars of Revelation. Just fun, fascinating fact here. Um, and Clement, as he's overseeing Corinth, uh, he, he writes this letter, and he first starts off by encouraging them. But what's so cool about this to me, and why I wanted to share this today, was Corinthians, when you read 1 Corinthians... Corinth was a mess. I mean, there were people were sleeping with family members. There were there was drunkenness. They were getting drunk at church. Uh, they were abusing gifts. They, they they were they were immensely talented people. And yet, uh, boy, my hair is crazy. And just so we're on the same page, I went grocery shopping this morning and I had a beanie on. And when I took it off, right before I hit live, I looked at my hair and went, oh my goodness. <laughs> I look like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. 1.21 gigawatts! Uh, you know, the thing. Anyways, sorry. 
So Corinth was a mess, but what's really cool is as we look at, you know, Paul writes these letters in 60s, maybe 70s to Corinth. And here we are 25, 30 years later. And we see that the, the, the people in Corinth have it together. So Paul's writing to a church in dysfunction, and Clement, 30 years later, is writing to a church that is rock solid. What does this tell us? That the church in Corinth listened to what Paul said, and they applied it. And they applied the first and second and maybe third Corinthians. They applied these things to their lives. And why I think this is so important for us to study is because... We are given a snapshot here into how this church applied the letter. So that they read Paul's letters, they were pastored by Paul, that they read these letters, and this is how they studied the word to live the word. This is how they lived the word, and how do they live the word? They're hospitable. Isn't that beautiful? that they're obedient to God's word. They're, they're willing to let go of their reputations. They listen to their pastors. The young men aren't allowed to get drunk every few days because, ah, they're in their early 20s. Let them figure it out. Uh, uh, women were instructed to be faithful and godly wives and mothers. Do you see this? There's not... Clement, Clement is not saying you healed people. You know, I know your works. I know your healers. I know you prophesy. I know you walk on water. You, you, you do this. You do that. I know your church is big. There, there's none of that. It, do you see? It's all faithfulness. It's the first thing he starts off with. Their, their faith was firmly established. Isn't that beautiful? The, 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 applying the scriptures, applying the word of God, we have to understand, does not manifest itself as we get out of the age of the apostles in all of these miraculous things, the fish to loaves, and God can do those things, of course. And I think in really desperate times, he does provide supernaturally. But the the average, the, the, the normal... <laughs> Uh, the normative way that God works in his church, that he delights in his church, are those who simply live the word of God faithfully, who are just faithful to his word. We, we see that, that they had homes. They didn't have to sell their homes and give everything to the poor. What did Jesus say? There's always going to be poor among you. And I, I struggle with this myself. It's like, God, am I doing enough? God, should I be out street witnessing, evangelizing? What you what? And 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 I, I read books like this, and it's so such a good reminder. I just need to be faithful in what God has given me. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. That's wisdom. That's the mature faith. If God has blessed you with finances, use it to His glory. Treat your family well. <laughs> Be duty-bound. Manage your household affairs becomingly. Um, be in every respect marked by discretion. 
uh, we, we, we see this hammer all through this book that it's just steady faithfulness. Now, I don't know when we're going to do part two, and maybe you can give me some feedback if this is helpful to you. Um, but uh, in, in a few paragraphs here, he starts talking about the fear of the God, fear of God that's among them, um, which, which is a topic that we, you know, we see a lot in the early church, a lot in the Old Testament, uh, but we don't hear about too much today. So th there's, there's just this sober, faithful living out of God's commands that we see Clement encouraging them in. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it's encouraging to us. So, done! <laughs> I hope you like this. This kind of stuff fires me up. Uh, but... Uh, if not, you know, let me know if you were like, eh, stick to the Bible, Josh, then I'll stick to the Bible. But I just, I really think this is cool. Um, let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you for what a great job you on did on Sunday. And, um, thank you for the break that you've provided for me. And, uh, I do pray that you would bless this week for all of us and God help us, uh, as Jan said to, uh, proclaim the mysteries of Christ, but Help us to understand that we will not be put to shame, that you love your people. God, grow us in a knowledge and an awareness of your love. And at the same time, as we read the, the letter to Clement, Help us to be faithful people. Help us like to like to like lament to be encouragers. And to observe and to listen so that we may encourage well. God, we pray that pastors and may, may be faithful, that men may be uh, submissive to the word of God, that women would wives would be uh, come under the authority of their husband. Uh, and work for peace as of course all men and women are too and god we pray that you help us to invest in the young people and um, to encourage them to sobriety and a sound mind please god help us to be your people who act like your people we love you we praise you we thank you father we thank you jesus and we thank you spirit for all that you have provided and are providing and will continue to provide. So be with us now in a profound way, in a tangible way. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so I wish you were here so I could hug you. We could share a coffee or cocoa. <laughs> but I get you on Sunday. So anyways, I love you all so much. See you. Thanks for joining us for this Calvary Baltimore B-Side. If you'd like to get in touch or come visit us at Calvary Baltimore, our website is calvarychapelbaltimore.org. You can email us at calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've been blessed by today's teaching and would like to donate to the work that God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. Until next time, as Pastor Josh says, study the Word, to live the Word, to share the Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore B-Side.